Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And Father Shane, it's good to see you over the... You uh, too. It's been a few weeks. Over the video it has. Been running around. A little yeah. uh, little vacation time and then a little... My first, you know, big boy vocation director stuff. Uh, did my first seminary visit with some guys from the diocese. Congrats. Thank you're you. A, you're a real vocation director now. See, I'm not on the ball with these... Um, uh, the, the soundboard sound effects. So you would have Sorry, definitely been on the, the board with the applause. I know. I Sorry. don't remember which. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. That's that's really good. That's a you know, I noticed <laughs> I was listening to um, Ed and JD on the Pillar podcast recently. And in uh-huh. preparation, I think this week during the bishops uh, meeting in Baltimore, I think they also bought a roadcaster because they were playing with the sound effects and they are in fact the same sound effects as us. Who doesn't so, have a roadcaster? I know, I was gonna you say, know. like we've had it for we've had it for two years, you know. Welcome to the welcome to the I mean, welcome to the show, the Pillar Podcast. I mean, you guys have exponentially more listeners than we do, and I'm sure you listen to this. So um I'm glad you kinda got caught up to the, you know, to the other Catholic podcasts out there. But Right. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, Father well, Shannon, I, went well. I, yes, I visited uh, uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary, um, not on campus, but next to the campus of St. Mary's University in Winona, Minnesota. My first time in Winona. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not get to see Bishop Robert Barron, which is unfortunate. Um, wish I could have seen him in his diocese mm-hmm. now, but uh, Winona is beautiful. I've never been around those, the bluffs, and you just come out of the plains of southeast Minnesota, and then bam, the bluffs right. are there, and Elliot, uh, who who was a, an alum of that uh, fine seminary, he took us up on the Outlook, uh, mm-hmm. Overlook or whatever, above on the bluffs above the city. Wonderful. Right. A lot of history, and that's the river town in Winona. Yeah, unfortunately, you would have missed it just past the fall colors. Yeah, it was, um, it was cold, overcast, mm-hmm. snowing, and just a bunch of trees without leaves. Well, that's all right. It still has its beauty because you're right. You're coming across southern Minnesota, and it's just plains. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you dip down into the, the valleys of the bluffs, and the climate changes immediately. Mm-hmm. You're, you're in a completely different terrain, um, but there's a real beauty to it. So it was wonderful. enjoyed it. Good. Nothing against our, our bluff boys and council bluffs, but the bluffs in Winona, a little bit more impressive. You know, yeah. you can see Wisconsin just across the, Yeah, it's kind of nice. You could I throw just a, give a quick shout-out to um, some listeners in West Des Moines. Uh, I was up there recently for a confirmation at St. Francis of Assisi Parish in West Des Moines. Met a number of listeners up there, so shout out to all of you. Thanks for your support and tuning in. Well, I'll give a shout out to the Fernholses in Des Moines because I was just there for a baptism at St. Augustine. So there you go, Des Moines. You're just getting all the shout outs today. Nice. Well, wonderful. Father Shane. um, Yes. As you obviously know, it, it has been election season. It has. Um, All the commercials in Iowa are over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how uh, different, like, you know, political campaigns get your phone number. But, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you get these random texts. Um, mm-hmm. So the ones that I got, I don't know who they were from, some representative or something. But they called me Todd instead of Travis oh. in the text. So that kind of took away the credibility of I think we have a new nickname for you. Todd. <laughs> We had a guy in seminary. It's going to be the title of this episode. He definitely doesn't listen. Conversation with Father Todd. Father Todd. We have a, there's a priest in Wichita that I went to seminary with named 
Father Todd Shepherd. So the popular song, uh, Shepherd Me, O God, that's often mm-hmm. sung at Mass, we would all, all often sing, Shepherd Me, O Todd. Todd oh. is my shepherd, nothing shall I want, you know. Uh-huh. Um, Father Taylor loves loves to sing that quite a bit. But it was election season, and not just during election season, but always during election season especially. Um, just political talk is always really stirred up. Mm-hmm. And I think especially among Catholics, right? There's these big issues, these big hot-button issues of pro-life issues that are always at play. Um, but then within the church, too, there's issues of immigration, border control, the you know just really the common good of the people and the good of the human person that's always being upheld but so much um of this political kind of tension that we experience in in our culture right now i think especially as catholics you know the name of the game the name of our show feeling outcast i find so many people myself included feeling outcast from their experience of being a faithful catholic in the midst of political tension has Mm -hmm. that been your experience as well Oh, yeah. You could meet people on all sides of the political spectrum who are also trying to live out religious faith. And it's very difficult to navigate those waters and and find authenticity in both spheres. Um, but yeah, continue, please. Yeah. And I, I mentioned Bishop Barron from being up in his diocese recently, but he, he spoke of on a podcast recently. And this is kind of a, a common trope when it comes to the Catholic Church, the Catholic faith in politics, right? Our church is one holy Catholic and apostolic. It's universal across the entire world. So it like the teachings of the church are never going to line up perfectly with one, you know, political party in one particular country in the world. That wouldn't make any sense, right? Mm-hmm. But it's hard for us, especially as Western Christians, especially as American citizens of the United States, we often think that the U.S. is the center of the universe and especially the politics of the U.S. And it makes sense. They affect our lives and we care about our country. We care about our family. We care about our church. We care about the good of the human person. We care about all these things. So, of course, it's going to affect us. But so often we try to kind of shoehorn um, American politics into the faith and we try to like line up our Catholic ideals with different political parties. And of course, many of them, the pro-life ones, they line up with a lot of different candidates, right? That that has become the abortion issue, right? Gay marriage issue, all these different big issues over the years, they have they have been really really hot. And of course, abortion has a, you know, a, a preeminent place in the life of politics and life of the church because we care so much for the unborn, for the good of the human person. Um, but then, like I mentioned before, um, immigration, all these different issues are at play. But I think what's helpful Bishop Barron mentioned is that the church is outside of American politics. The church is outside of Italian politics. The church is outside of Portuguese politics because the church, right, we've received a revelation from God. We've received um, a revelation that's in accord with our human reasoning. And Jesus in the Gospels, he always calls us to be faithful citizens. And the bishops and the church over the years have have stressed that, that like to be a faithful Christian is also to be a a steward of creation, a steward of our, uh, a good citizen, a steward of our political life. However, um, it just makes people feel so outcast because they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with the world. They don't know what to do um, with the with the political issues in regards with their church, right? And everybody wants Father to preach about certain issues, right? Father, preach more about abortion. Father, preach more about politics. You got to tell people who they have to vote for, right? And that's why people get all really upset with their priests, maybe, as our recent episode said, pissed off at their priest, right? Because they say, well, Father, you just don't care about this. You're not going to talk about this. And so often we can be kind of accused of being wishy-washy, right? Well, well, Father's just trying to kind of play the game so, so he's not making anybody mad. But really what it comes down to is that there has to be, there has to be 
a deeper foundation in our life as Catholic Christians than just like the political sphere, right? Like that's an important part of our lives, but there always has to be this deeper foundation of a relationship with Christ because he's the one who reveals like the truth to us, right? And who gives us a strong a rock to stand on. Yeah, so just to play the devil's advocate a little bit, I'll push back a little bit, all right? So, Father, someone might come back to you and say, well, Father, I know Jesus. I've got my relationship with Jesus. Jesus is my everything. Jesus is my all. He's my king. He's my savior. And Jesus is telling me to get highly involved in politics. Uh, and, and as we know, there's the old adage that all politics are local, right? So whether or not someone wants to get involved in local politics, state level, federal level, whatever it is, they know that some of these realities touch deep cores of their own community's life, the life of their family members, the life of, and the, the future of their, their community, their, the future of their state. So I think there is kind of an impetus, you know, that so many feel this charge to say, because I'm a believer in Jesus, it is because I am trying to walk in discipleship that I am sent out. And, and many have a, a deep political charge they're interested in, in, the, in the politics, the polis, so to speak, mm-hmm. from the Greek. They're interested in the affairs of the city, the, the civic affairs of our community. And they want to take their faith and they want to go put it in action. And so, so many are going to say, okay, so I, as I step out and I, and I strive for the interests of my local community and whatever issue we're tackling, whether it's immigration or gun reform or, or school reform, or whether it's, you know, you take your pick, whatever issue it is, they want to know, how do I really do this as a Catholic? And where is my pastor going to be with me? Where's my church going to be with me? Mm-hmm. As I'm trying to make uh, Christian ideals, you know, really becoming alive for the sake of our broader community. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. And I'm grateful you said that. I'm the first one to admit that I'm not as politically savvy as many, right? I'm not constantly following politics, but I agree with that. Like we have to have a proper ordering of society. We have to have a proper ordering of our culture, right? And that's where so much of the tension and people feeling outcast comes from because they look at the world and they say, wait, this is not how we want it to be. Or, right, looking back in kind of a nostalgic way to, okay, there were times when Christendom, Right, was more kind of prolific in our, it was all over the place in our society. And the society, the culture itself, the politics were thinking in line with Christian values, in line with the Judeo Christian kind of moral view, right? And we see the downfall of the family. We see the downfall of a respect for human life, a culture of death, as St. John Paul II often put it. Yeah, we need to have faithful Catholics in the public sphere speaking against, right, these different evils, upholding the true, the good, the beautiful. Absolutely. And in a democratic republic, it's our duty to vote for those officials, right, who represent us. Absolutely. Right. However, you know, when, just talking about being in Winona, Father Horhan, the rector, he was preaching whenever this comes out, you know, from the, the gospel of the 33rd week of ordinary time, um, this kind of questioning of Jesus of the end of time. Lord, what's going to happen? You know, when, when, when are these things going to take place? He says, well, there'll be wars, insurrections, there'll be all these things happening. And then they, whoever asked the question, and then, and then, and then is that when, is that when you're going to restore everything? And he says, no, uh, then there'll be this, then there'll be this, and there'll be this. Father Horhan's uh, invitation was, Jesus really speaks against a fretfulness, right? And I think that is what is so prevalent in the minds and hearts of so many, perhaps so many of our listeners, is a fear, a fretfulness, right? They say, Father, the world is crazy. The world is crazy. What are we going to do? What are we going to do, right? 
And of course, it's not always helpful to just point back to different times, but yes, the world is crazy and in particular ways more crazy, you know, now than it has been in the past in certain ways. However, the world has always been crazy, right? Sin has always been um, rampant (laughs) across the world and church leaders have been corrupt and political leaders have been corrupt and, you know, the church has existed in and out of kingdoms and uh, the Nazi conquest of Europe and everything else, right? Um, So what's What's consistent in the midst of that? Well, that's Jesus' presence and his promise of being with the church, right? I love in Matthew, the beginning of Matthew's gospel, the end of Matthew's gospel, Emmanuel, God is with us, and Jesus says at the very end before he ascends, I'll be with you um, until the end of the age, right? So that's the promise that Jesus is with us. But is he with us even in the midst of this political tension, this political confusion? Because if he's with us, then like St. Paul talks about so often, we can experience all these trials, that's not going to crush us, right? I love that. I forget where that's at in Paul's writings where he talks about all the different trials that he has experienced himself. When he lists them all off, shipwrecked this many times, stoned this many times. I've been, you know, in and out of prison. I've dealt with all these things, but I'm never crushed. I'm never defeated because he has this prevailing hope and this faith in Christ Jesus. Um, And, you know, Jesus was confronted with these same questions when the apostles said, Lord, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Right? And that's where they just didn't understand. They thought, so many thought him to be a military, a political savior, a Messiah, right? Who's going to save the people from their, their Roman occupiers. And Jesus revealed that the kingdom he was bringing about, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, was so much more than some sort of political conquest to restore the land to the people, right? He'd give us our ultimate inheritance of eternal life in heaven. Um, that doesn't exactly answer your question to... <laughs> But, you know, I think it comes down to this. It's just like, are we fretful of the problems of this world? And does that take us away from Christ? Or do the problems of this world, the problems of politics, bring us closer to him, right? No, I think that's helpful. I think for anyone who's engaged in political service, I think who's anyone who's engaged in political action, great. Go out into the community affairs. Go out into civic issues and bring the light of the gospel. But as you just pointed out, is that being done out of a sense of fear? Is there a motivation of being, um, you know, fretful about this? Is freneticism just kind of enveloping somebody mm-hmm. uh, such that their greatest motivation is a deep-seated fear? Many would say, well, we're on the brink of, of some very difficult times and some difficult questions are being wrestled in our country. If we don't, you know, get gun violence and immigration under control, if we don't have a better uh, grab grip on the the formation of our youth in in our school systems, if we don't have um, the abortion issue resolved as a million lives are lost every year in this country, if we're not walking more profoundly with those who are struggling in poverty and homelessness, maybe single mothers, other single parent issues, if if all those things are not being tackled, well, yes, maybe someone would say, I am fearful. I am fearful for our country's future. I am fearful for what this world is going to do to my children and my grandchildren and the health and the stability that I know in my community. Okay. So we can recognize that there's threats mm-hmm. and that in a healthy and a, and a robust sense of politics needs to address that. But to your point, father, can we walk into those threats without fear? Can we walk into those threats with a sense of courage, knowing that Jesus is with us. 
Can we walk into those threats with the same amount of courage that Christians for centuries and centuries have had to deal with when their political rulers did not agree with them? When they did not see eye to eye, particularly for, you know, centuries and centuries of Christians who never had a vote <laughs> throughout much most of Christendom, you know, it was always governed by monarchies. And monarchies, you know, might have not agreed uh, with a particular, you know, position or, or mindset. And yet can someone consistently say, I will try and serve the common good the best that I can, and I'm not going to do so governed by a spirit of fear. Yeah. I think that's really, really important for this day and age. Um, the evil one wants us to be a fearful people. He wants us to stir up anxiety because through that fear and anxiety, it's easy to start launching attacks upon others. It's starting, it's easy to start pointing fingers and all of a sudden, you know, we can be fixated more on the perceived threats of those who don't agree with us rather than a common spirit of, of love and charity seeking to build up the common good. Mm -hmm. And there might be some listeners who are saying to, to themselves right now, yeah, Father Shane, everything you're saying sounds nice and pious, mm -hmm. but this is the real world, and it's cutthroat out there. And we have to scrape by, and we have to elbow one another forward to get the best advantage point that we can for the sake of our future. And if we can't accomplish that, well, then the world's going to go to hell in a handbasket. Mm -hmm. Is that really true? Is that a lie that has to be rejected? Is it possible that we can still build up the common good and work towards greater civility and work towards uh, solutions that are really founded on God's eternal law and do so in a way in which we know we're walking with Jesus without a spirit of fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. And when I think of people who listen to this, when I think of my friends and I think of my family members, yeah, there are those people out there who are engaged in the political life of our country. Good. That's a necessary work that's a necessary vocation in the life of the world and the civic world and the life of the church right most of our listeners are not politicians right and voting comes up once in a while but right we fill our podcast feed we fill our our life with a lot of political turmoil right a lot of the news revolves around politics a lot of the things we listen to and we watch right and it does stir up so much fear so should we just ignore that no but you know, I've been off of social media for a little while. And it's been really helpful. It's like, yeah, I'm sure I've missed a few different things, but it hasn't really affected my life that much, right? And it's good to be, you know, to keep up with, you know, uh, one of my formators at, at the seminary at Kenrick was the one who said, no, you need to pay attention to the news and be awake and aware to know what people are dealing with. That's true. That's so helpful as a priest, you know, for as pastors who are preaching to their people. But is our kind of attentiveness to what's happening in the world like you just said, is that just creating more anxiety and fear? And are we as attentive to our political world and all of the turmoil that's going on as we are to the Lord? Like if we're attentive to the politics, whenever that's fine, but are we attentive to the Lord? St. Catherine of Siena once said, like, in serving the poor, she said, uh, I, was, I was told this by a, a religious sister who worked at a homeless shelter, um, and I was, I was challenged in this comment that she made. She said, you know, St. Catherine always said that if you're going to work with the poor, you should probably pray twice as much as you work with the poor. She goes, so I just try to do that. And I was blown away by that, right? Because there's this, a, there's a desire to, you see a problem in the world, you see evil that's present in the world, you see the human person not being respected, whether they're unborn or whether they're poor or an immigrant or they're struggling with different realities. You want to help them, you want to serve them. But what are the saints who, who were serving the poor people, who were serving the, uh, 
you know, unfortunate or the, the underprivileged in society, they were attentive to the Lord. What's he doing? How is he at work? Right. And there was that focus was so much more prevalent than just the problem. Right. So if we're going to focus on the problem, we have to focus on Jesus. Who's this, the way, the truth and the life. Who's the solution. This, you know, the whole time I've been thinking of, I have this unique chasuble that I was given by my, um, my parish. It was an old fifties, uh, black chasuble that was used for funerals. And on the back of the chasuble, there's a cross, but the end of the cross kind of terminates in a little like kind of U thing. And I didn't know what it was at first. Well, it's an anchor. The cross is an anchor, right? And especially with a black chasuble that was used for All Souls Day and for funerals, in the midst of despair, in the midst of fretfulness over our own death, right? Our own kind of doom and the destruction of the world, especially in a a tragic death, to recognize that the cross and Christ and his gospel it's a firm anchor. It's rooted and it gives us hope. Like in the midst of a turbulent sea, there's this strong anchor and the, the anchor has been an ancient Christian symbol of hope. And I think that's just so important for us that, okay, while we stay attentive to the problems in the world, we need to be even more attentive to Christ and what he's doing in us, right? Not, well, where is Christ in the world, right? Where is God in the, in the midst of these struggles, in the midst of these political divisions? No, where, where is he in my life right now? And is he meeting me in the midst of this anxiety and this fretfulness? Am I actually bringing that to him? I think that's the proposal that we can make as as priests in your life is that we're not politi- you know we're not we're not politics we're not running a a, a a political show here in commentary, but in the midst of all of the different things we listen to and watch, um, are we turning to Christ with that and letting Him be our that that firm foundation that anchor in our hope? I think that's helpful and well stated. What would it look like if every political figure, whether that's a, a local city council member, a local mayor, a state governor, you know, state representative, even someone working in Washington on the federal level here in this country, what would it look like if everyone went to prayer before they went to their next political gathering, to their next political meeting, to their next political vote? Mm. What would that really look like if we said, I'm going to remain with the Lord first, and then I will go step out into my public duty? And that was the mentality that would be guiding all of our political activity. Uh, and then maybe perhaps another thing that might be a nice helpful barometer is to say, for anyone engaging in political life, anyone really interested in, in the issues that face the civic, fear, civic sphere, where is the virtue of hope with me? Am I carrying hope? Am I motivated out of a sense of fear? Am I motivated out of a sense of caricature or demonizing another political party or another politician themselves? Uh, am I doing this just since out of a sense of hopelessness of what I think the alternative might be, and therefore I have to go fix this? Or could I enter into the political sphere and seek to bring about the common good because I carry the virtue of hope with me? It has been bes- anointed upon me and bestowed upon me as a theological virtue from heaven. Because I am walking with Jesus, I carry my hope towards the future. I think that could give a radically different uh, alternative viewpoint and and shift the whole horizon of what politics could look like if everyone was walking in a spirit of hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's helpful. And I hope this has been a helpful conversation and not just uh, talking around in circles, right, about these issues. Um, People often want answers. Father, give us an answer, you know, preach more about this. But as we continue to wrestle with that ourselves as priests, you know, neither of us in parishes right now, but as we consider to think of the good of our people and the good of those who are, who are listening, right. Who are feeling outcast. Um, let's, 
yeah, lean into that virtue of hope, knowing that Jesus promises to be with us, and then He promises to to be with us even in the midst of these these challenges, like He was, was with Saint Paul, like He was with all the saints and martyrs. And as we continue to pray for the dead in this month of November, as we continue to pray for one another, let's ask for that virtue of hope. So, Father Shane, thanks so much for your reflections and your thoughts. Good to be with you, Father Travis. Thanks to all of our listeners. Let's keep one another in prayer, and let's well, let's walk forward with Jesus in a spirit of hope. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.